0: Due
1: to the explicit content and graphic nature of Donna Dark Hall,
0: listener discretion is advised. i'm in madison wisconsin right now for this episode yeah and we went out i'd never had cheese curds before and that's like a miss uh madison wisconsin it's like a wisconsin thing cheese curds basically
1: wisconsin is cheese period yeah
0: and they're fucking legit they're amazing it's true everything you have heard about cheese curds is true they're delicious um oh my god so yeah we had a really good lunch earlier today and for the life of me i can't remember the name of it but it was really good um and madison's really cool right now so it's a college town and they've got everything boarded up some of the stores are open but all the windows everything is boarded up it's crazy but what for i guess all the protests have been maybe i guess protests have been big
1: here you know, that makes sense. Where
0: I'm at is a college town, and we haven't done anything like that. But they've actually turned it into, like, an artistic thing. So they are allowing artists to paint the boards that are going up on these storefront shops. And some of the artwork here is fucking beautiful. And it's all this, like, Ooh. Black Lives Matter And, you know, this is a revolution and just really supporting everything that's going on right now. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was a really cool way to kind of make lemons out of lemonade. You know, I mean, they're having to board up the towns because a lot of these restaurants are, you know, places are closed because of COVID. But they're also taking the opportunity to share this message in a beautiful artistic way.
1: I was digging it. she actually, like, really smart. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. I'm a part of that. Oh like yeah.
0: So, guys, because I'm a genius,
1: I forgot to press. Sarah is a genius. I'm a genius. Let me just get that straight. She's <laughs> smart. She's beautiful. She's so talented. So smart
0: that she forgot to she's press beautiful. record. So this is take two on episode three. And we're going to
1: fucking nail it. What are we talking about today?
0: <laughs> so today it's <laughs> For the all about <laughs> missing children. And I say that lightly. However, it's a really dark topic, but you know what? You just gotta gotta push through.
1: And what did, what filter did we call it having? Well,
0: I think we were just kind of talking about you've just got to be kind of disconnected almost.
1: really disconnected in a respectful way, of course. Correct, in a respectful right. Way. Exactly.
0: because these people have a giant hole in their heart that can never mm-hmm. be filled. And as a mother, no, no, I can never imagine in a million years experiencing no, a yeah. fraction of the pain these people have gone through,
1: you know. Mm-mm. No, no. And after after hearing your stories, I was completely like, what the heck? Like, I was in shock. I could not put myself in these people's shoes in the crazy shit that freaking happens. First of all, the dynamic between me and Sarah is so freaking... <laughs> I don't even know what word to describe it. Like, it we're such on, like... I'm not opposite ends of the spectrum, I feel it's like but a yin she's and a yang. definitely, exactly. She, you're definitely the yin of my yang. Like <laughs> I'm over here like, oh my God, look at this story. Look at the evidence. Ooh. And then Sarah's like, okay, but what if it's aliens? Like what? you never know.
0: It's you never know. In
1: third dimension.
0: I love the creepy unexplained aspect. So Natalie's coming in with the real, the real, real. And I'm coming in for all us creepy, spooky lovers
1: out there. Honestly, and that's what the people are probably here for. But at the same time, our dynamic is just so good that I I I just honestly. I love it. I love it. I
0: freaking love it. So, So. Natalie, let's get into your case. Let's Let's jump right in. Let's get into my case.
1: Let's jump right in. Again. Okay. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again. <laughs> oh Lord, I love us. Okay. So Charles Lindbergh Sarah and I both know who this is because um we love aviation. Sarah um Sarah and I both have an interest in aviation. So Charles Lindbergh is no person that is not familiar to us. We know him very well. He was the first man that crossed the Atlantic um in first one flight. Pilot. Yeah, first pilot. Yes. 33 hours. 33. That's a long flight. 33 to 33. That's a long flight. Speaking from a professional experience. This girl. That's the longest flight flight I've been on.
0: I haven't even been been on on a 33 yet. The longest flight I've had. I don't know. I did Amsterdam and I've done Anchorage and they're about the same. Only Anchorage, we didn't get any crew rest because it's domestic.
1: Mm -mm.
0: and that's a long day and i'm sitting in a damn chair for most of it you know i'm slinging cookies and cheese it's and then i get to go take a break you gotta think these pilots back then they didn't have any automation
1: no full
0: stick and rudder the whole way
1: and if it was just him like he had to stay awake for that long yeah and you don't even know if your plane's gonna make it that's true that too like, back then, those planes were, like, mm, they were iffy. Like, you did not know. Like, that was sketchy. That was sketchy. So, Charles Lindbergh. First man to fly across the Atlantic in 1927. He was, like, America's freaking it boy. He was shy. He was also very young. He was handsome. I was telling Sarah that, you know, I saw a picture of this man. And I was, like, oh, my God. Like, this man... He can get it, that's all I'm gonna say. Like, he can get it, you know what I mean? Like, people wrote songs about him. Like, he was really famous. Yeah, people wrote songs, I did not know that. There are songs about Charles Lindbergh.
0: Like, his ex, like, his success in crossing the Atlantic, or his face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: okay. No, yeah, yeah, his career. Okay, not ballads dedicated to his face i'm pretty sure (laughs) they probably mentioned that he was attractive or like oh what a cool guy you know but mostly yeah about his like about his actual freaking career okay keeping it
0: professional i support that
1: as charles rose he met this girl named ann morrow now her dad worked for jp morgan which we now know is chase so um they met in mexico city her father introduced her to Charles Lindbergh. Now when she met him, she was obviously very impressed because Charles was you know, he was the it boy. He was like he was the he shit. He had it at all that. he had it all. He had it all. He had the look and I mean you career. see
0: how girls lose it over I mean, what was it, Pilot Pete? And he was just I was not a fan. I'm
1: just saying he was not I don't a even fan. watch the show, but just looking at him I was just kinda like uh-huh. Like, that's what y'all were obsessing over? Really? really? Like, that's that's what y'all found attractive? Like, okay, whatever. Nah, no thanks. But this man, he was it. He was it, though. He, would, he, he had it, and he got it. <laughs> so, she was 21 when they met. She was really shy. She was like, oh, my God, this guy's, like, this guy's crazy. So, they got married after getting to know each other on May 27th, 1929. Now, after they got married, a year later... They got busy, and they had Charles Jr. Charles Jr. was born on June twenty second, nineteen thirty. Ironically enough, on Anne's birthday. Now, cool, 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 cool. I know, right? That's honestly that's kind of cool. Born on it the is same, like the gift of being born, and then the gift of being a mother the same day. Like that's kind of that's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, my daughter and I have the same date. Really, They're born on the same day of the month
1: oh the same yeah. day as the month. she's
0: oh. she's 626 and i'm 1026
1: that's kind of cool though i dig that it is i dig that
0: and then and then i go to give people my date of birth and i give them her date of birth and i'm like oh, just kidding
1: sh- just wrong person and my grandmother was 1226 oh come on that's something the plot thickens oh tell me what what else <laughs> that's crazy My house number is 26 oh i'm done i'm done i'm done
0: it's crazy how that number anyway 20 now everyone has enough information to steal (laughs) mine
1: oh my god oh lord (laughs) okay so baby's name is charles jr born on june 22nd on her birthday on march 1st 1932 around 8 to 9 p.m one of the caretakers goes upstairs after putting the baby down to sleep to check on the baby to see how the baby's doing. And to the surprise, the baby is missing. Now, they obviously start looking for the baby. They start scrambling. They start panicking. And they notice some uh, muddy footprints coming in and out of the window uh, that was right next to the baby's crib. So upon... Totes suspicious Right? Upon... Uh, Further investigation, they realized that someone used a ladder to go up to the baby's room, um, kidnap the baby, and go out. And when they noticed that the baby was missing, they also found a ransom note that demanded $50,000 um, in return for the baby, which today, what those $50,000 would amount to would be about a million well well over a million dollars to be honest
0: more money than I would know what to do
1: with. honestly and <laughs> what I told Sarah was 50,000 equivalent to a million today for Charles Lindbergh the celebrity that he was back then that is chump change was nothing that is chump it change nothing. that's nothing and you actually did mention something that was very true For Anne's father to be the freaking financial advisor for JP Morgan. Morgan. That is chump change. He's like
0: fanning himself with Benjamin's. Like, oh, my
1: baby's missing and you need 50 grand. Let me wipe my tears with $100 bills. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, here you go. Here's 50K. Here. Right? Peasant. The note was like, give me 50K. Don't involve the police or else, you know, something will happen to the baby um and upon further investigation when the police arrived there weren't any fingerprints there was hardly any evidence except the fact that they noticed that there were like indentions of a ladder being used in order to climb up the window so maybe they noticed that the ladder was actually found on our service road not too far from where the house was now the house to begin with Charles Lindbergh was having this house constructed so Charles Lindbergh's family was moving between this new house that wasn't even done and Anne Morrow's parents' house that they were kind of both living in. So they were going back and forth. Now this was on a Tuesday. So basically, uh, Charles on came a Tuesday. up right club going up on Sorry. a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, Charles came down with a cold. They were already at the new house that wasn't even done yet. So, Anne was like, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not a good idea to have you be moving between houses while you're sick. Let's just stay here, spend the night, relax. We don't got to worry about anything. If I ever had another child, she's going to be Sarah Jr.
0: No. Okay. She's not. I'm going to reset
1: the trend. That's. We need to down with the patriarchy and up with the matriarchy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Come (laughs) on. Like, think a little bit more outside the box christ's sake i don't understand why this was a thing i think because the
0: royals did it then regular people
1: thought they had to do it oh and let me tell you when this baby went missing it was like it never happened to the famous people right like it it would always happen to the common folk they were untouchable so for someone as a celebrity like charles Lindbergh to have his son stolen it was national news. It was crazy. Everyone knew about it. It was like a royal family going missing. Like, a royal yeah. family member. Like, it was big news. So, people were freaking out. Like, it was, it was all over the newspapers back then. It was all over the news. Like, it was a big event. And everyone was actually, like, looking, searching actively for this child. Like, it was a thing. It was a big, big popular topic back then. Um, with that information that we found out, with them staying at the house... It became obvious to police when they arrived that someone must have known their location. Someone knew. Someone had to be looking on the inside that, you know, like, knew that what, right. where they exactly. were going, what they were planning. So they started investigating everybody that was close to them. Like, you know, the, the, the caretakers, the family members. They started interviewing a, a ton of people, and they didn't really come up with anything at first. Um, Except for the ransom note. So the ransom note was just like, hey, meet here. Come with 50 grand. And Charles Lindbergh did not go himself. He had this emissary, this guy who basically did all, kind of like all the dirty work for him, meeting with the kidnapper, um, named John Condon. He was the one that represented Charles Lindbergh in these meetings between the kidnapper. Um, So did
0: John actually... He never met with the kidnapper. He
1: was just talking to them on on the phone. No, so John, let me tell you, John and the kidnapper went to a cemetery and they met. They had actual meetings. Yes, ma'am. What? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Fucking John
0: is in on it. I am convinced 100%. You
1: cannot convince me otherwise. I think John John is in on it. John knows a little more than he letting
0: on. Tortured him within an inch of his life. But then again, though, to find my child.
1: Then again, though, Charles Lindbergh did hire John Condon to go do this for him. So he, you know, he was trusted. He was Charles Lindbergh's like right hand man. He was the guy that Charles Lindbergh sent down there. Now, a month went by with them going back and forth, back and forth with these meetings at the cemetery, like, hey, what are we gonna do? You know, how much you want, what, and this and that. So after about a month of meeting back and forth, John Condon finally handed him, the kidnapper, 50 grand, 50 grand, and the kidnapper handed Don Condon a note. And the note basically said, the baby is fine. The baby is on the coast of Massachusetts in a boat named Nellie. Come come get your baby. They go to Massachusetts, and sure enough, there is no boat named Nellie. There is no boat named Nellie. Of course not. Yeah.
0: Of course not. Of course there's not. He's in not.
1: St. Louis. Yeah. He's in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> he's in St. Louis. <laughs> Two weeks pass after handing over the money, right? There's this truck driver... That pulls over on the side of the road. And by chance, by chance, he finds the baby. That is incredible. Yeah. He
0: just happens
1: to pull over On the side finds... of the road and finds the baby. And the baby, oh, the baby gosh. sadly, and this is what pains me, you know, from this topic, but whatever. We're going to push through it. Um, the baby is decomposed. Oh. There's two fractures in his school. Um the right side of his head there seems to be like almost like a shot entry wound. Like a big circle in the side of his skull. That seems to me like it's like a bullet wound, right?
0: And what kind of a shitty ass human being do you have to be to shoot a baby?
1: Twenty month old baby.
0: Like I don't know. You're a grade A douche canoe. Like, there are not enough words to describe what a horrible person it takes to shoot a baby. Honestly. Honestly. And. I mean, any person in general. Any person in general. However, an infant who is a completely innocent innocent.
1: Doesn't know anything. You're. All that child knows is how to live in the present moment. Exactly. And that's. And all over 50K. Like. Oh my god, that's just that's just disgusting to me. But whatever, we're gonna we're gonna keep on going. We're so, gonna push through. So like professional, exactly, exactly. So there's a bullet wound, an entry wound on the right side of his head, and on the left side of the baby's head. Kind of was like an impact, an impact f- fracture. Um, so what I so what when I was reading into this was. It seemed like the baby was against a hard surface, and from the pressure of the impact of the of the of the bullet, of how hard it was, it fractured the other end of his skull against a hard surface. So that was what investigators determined. Now back then in the nineteen twenties, they didn't really put two and two together because it was obviously the nineteen twenties, and we don't know you know, <laughs> back then we didn't really know much. So what they said was All right. that, That a stick was being put in this poor baby's head. And obviously, now we know in 2020 It was a stick. It was not no goddamn stick. A stick, did it? It was not no goddamn stick. Upon further investigation, they determined that the baby's time of death was actually right around the time that the baby disappeared. So what was unfortunate was that the baby was being held for a ransom. As Charles Lindbergh's family believed that the baby was still alive, when in turn, it, you know, the baby really wasn't. So that was really unfortunate. That's so sad. That is That's sad. so awful. That is so awful. After that, um, all of Charles Lindbergh's focus was just basically capturing this guy. Like, we need to catch this guy. We need to focus on who did this to my baby, who did this to my family. We want to know, right? So... Charles Lindbergh, being the big guy he was back then, the big celebrity he was, he used all of his resources. I mean, this case was being pushed down the FBI, the federal government, the state. Good. You know, the city, like, it was being pushed more than the normal missing children's case. Yeah. be Just simply because of his fame, you know? So he used every okay, resource yeah. he could. So they started to get the idea. Excuse me that it might be mobsters that mobsters might be involved being the big celebrity that he was he started getting into contact with people who knew mobsters and could maybe help him in the case help him try to figure out who did this to his baby and he got in contact with one of the mobsters that actually knew al capone and he actually told him al capone actually told him hey i'll find your kidnapper just, right. just you know, like, get me out of here. Get me out of jail. And, of course, Charles Lindbergh put in the quest. And, to our surprise, the U.S. government was like, hell no, you're not getting Al Capone out of jail. But you and I, Sarah, you and I both know, if you want something done, you know the mobster's going to get it done. You know what I'm saying? I believe that. I
0: believe 100%. That. They are quick. They are quick, honey. They are not going to fight fair. Mm. And, obviously... The people who took your fucking baby are not on the same
1: thought level that we are. Mm -mm. No No mercy, ma'am. Like, I will not have one ounce of remorse. So, yeah. So, obviously, the request is denied. Um, But they do have this one little tiny thing that might get them to point to which direction their kidnapper is. So... When they handed over the ransom money, that fifty K that they graciously just gave away for no freaking reason for a boat named Nelly that didn't even exist. Exists Exactly. Son of a bitch. Um back then they had this um this bill that was different than what we know now as like the regular dollar bill. It was called a gold certificate, and there was the words gold certificate on the actual bill it was writing and all of the money that 50k was gold certificates so right after the kidnapping they started cycling out gold certificates so the u.s government was like hey if you guys still have gold certificates you know go ahead and turn them back in we will gladly exchange that to the normal u.s dollar bill so the police told charles Lindbergh, hey we still have the gold certificate If any gold certificates pop up, we're gonna know what serial number they are because we wrote them down because we know that, you know, every dollar bill has serial numbers on it. So we wrote down which ones, you know, belong to the person that kidnapped the baby. So it should be fairly easy to track if they're going out of cycle and we'll record them, you know? That was kind of like the last strain of hope that they had in order to catch this kidnapper. But to our surprise, two and a half years go by. And That's crazy. I know, dude. So much time. Like, imagine two and a half years go by and you hear nothing about your child's kidnapper and you find them dead. I
0: can't even keep my paycheck in my pocket for
1: two weeks. Dude, I can't keep it in it for a day. A bills day. Bills just,
0: boom, out. Oh, yeah. Besides the bills. Bills come out and then I'm like, ooh. Oh, I have money left over. I should save it. Oh, Amazon. I should save
1: Oh, my nails look so good. And my toes, and they need a pedicure. You right? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I would never make it. Me neither. Me neither, dude. So, <laughs> let me get into this. So, two and a half years go by, right? This guy, random guy, pulls up to go get gas. Now, back then, Gas was super cheap, and for some reason, in the first take of this, the first recording we did, I thought gas was 98 cents back in the 1920s, <laughs> uh, which is a fucking she said joke. She gas was like, I was she like, said gas was 90 cents, I said girl, gas was 98 cents was, back then, no bitch it fucking was, it hey. was not no 98 <laughs> fucking cents. Gas was
0: 90 cents when I was like 15 years I'm old. I'm a joke, was, y'all, I'm a freaking joke. I loved it, it was
1: fantastic. That was great. What I probably thought it was, was 98 cents. 98.
0: 19 or something like right. that or nine who knows i don't even There's fucking no know what i heard
1: did y'all can fucking google it i don't it give was, a shit it was gas was cheap gas was cheaper than it was, than it was. Cheap. exactly it was cheap it was cheap so this guy whips out a ten dollar gold certificate bill and then the gas attendant's like wait hold up that shit has not been in circuit for two fucking two and a half years what the fuck is going and on? And
0: you're paying with, like, a thousand dollar equivalent. Oh,
1: yes. And it was a ten dollar bill, which nowadays that would be, like, yeah, well over a hundred dollars easily. Like, easily over a hundred dollars. Right. Like, that's, that's like, a big man whipping out a big dollar bill and you're like, ooh, who are you? And that money's out of circuit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm this is fishy. So, the gas attendant, as smart as he freaking was, he decided to write down. The license plate number on the edge of the bill. That guy was a genius. That man is an angel.
0: I hope he got a pay raise after that.
1: I hope he did, girl. I hope Charles Lindbergh was like, here's your own 5k. I think that dollar bill is in the museum somewhere. Like, you can you Oh can go wow! do wow. I don't know where. I'm not professional enough to remember where the fuck it is. But it's somewhere in a museum. I can promise you that. But anyways. The attendant writes down the license plate number. The police find out about it. They track him down. And lo and behold, we come down to a guy named Bruno Richard Houston. Now. It's a Bruno. Bruno, uh, which we found out was uh, Sarah's dog. Sarah's dog's name. My, my little dog
0: was an asshole. An asshole, his but cuddly.
1: He's a cuddly bug.
0: He's cuddly. Mm-hmm. He's. It's his redeeming
1: quality. He's He's nice and cuddly. He's, he makes up for it. He makes up for it. But not, but not, but not Bruno Richard Hausman. Not, not him. He does not make up for anything. (laughs) So they get. We don't like. We don't. We hate him. We don't like him. Mm -mm. So Bruno is found to be under this license plate number. So the police are just like, hey, we got to get a search warrant for this guy. So police search his house. Sure enough, they find the rest of the ransom money that he still has left over. Of course. They find a gun. They find a bunch of other suspicious stuff. And they're just like, hey, we gotta take this man to trial. But first, we need to know who the hell Bruno is. Bruno, turns out, is a foreigner. He's from Germany. So, Bruno, apparently, had quite the criminal history in Germany. So, Bruno, in Germany, was arrested for... Shocking. Shocking, huh. Funny how it just follows people around. He used a ladder... Funny how there are coincidences what? here. Repetition. Interesting. I know. He used a ladder to steal money from the mayor's house. And honestly, how fucking obvious are you you, said, you know what? So obviously
0: he's not scared of stealing from people who are in power, you know, positions of power. Maybe that was a thing for him. He's stupid. Maybe it wasn't about the money. He's,
1: <laughs> he's real fucking stupid. <laughs> he's
0: just like, he's an
1: idiot. I'm gonna go steal money from the mayor's house. Okay.
0: It, it, it's like, um you know, when people are, what is it? What's that thing? Is it a kleptomaniac when you can't help but steal things? Probably. Like, maybe it wasn't about the power I mean, the money, it was about... The act. Uh, you know, he got a hard-on from yeah, stealing from yeah, people who yeah, were yeah. above him. Like, it made him feel powerful. Probably. Ew. Damn. I'm missing my true calling. FBI, hit me up. Dude, imagine not, if we were private investigators. I mean like,
1: we'd be solving shit left and right. Okay, no, probably not. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Alright, so, apart from uh, stealing money from the fucking mayor's house, um, he held a lady at gunpoint with her baby, demanding money. Jesus. And a bunch of other dumb freaking shit. Right. When they investigated his house, they also found the rest of the money, right, as I mentioned. And they found John Condon's phone number. Which, as we know... John Condon was the guy that was doing all these transactions with the kidnapper while they still thought that the baby was alive. He was in on it. He was totally in on it.
0: But I, I just cannot not believe that this guy
1: wasn't in on it at some level. That was a rabbit hole I was not fucking ready to go down. (laughs) like there was so many conspiracy theories between here to present the facts yes and not the conspiracy yes honey yes well at least for this one because conspiracy theories yes that's up our fucking alley but for this case uh uh-uh that was a whole nother freaking thing episode that we could cover on its own but oh yeah um yeah so they found john condon's phone number basically meant that was the guy that he was dealing with while doing all these meetings back then when they thought that the baby was still alive. Another thing that they found, they matched the same wood from the ladder that the kidnappers used to climb up to the baby's room to the same wood that was made out of the house of Bruno. So the wood grain was the same pattern as what was in the house. As what they used in the ladder.
0: That is interesting. I mean, we know that wood grain patterns are like a tree's equivalent to our fingerprints. Right.
1: As you mentioned, it's like DNA, right? Yeah. Like fingerprints.
0: Yeah. They're not going to match. No two trees are going to have the same wood grain. I mean, you know, pattern. Like the rings and things like that. But why would
1: they think to check his house that is interesting they were going through everything girl i mean since they were giving back and forth notes john condon and the kidnapper they even compared the notes that they found in his house addressed to his family members and they compared the handwriting right and they determined yeah that's definitely you honey the handwriting analysis the handwriting was analysis the was the exact same like i think they compared um, usually the ERs, the ERs, er, the, <laughs> the ERs, oh. the ERs, the Ts, those are real distinct to each person. Like each person has a distinct oh. e- ER and AT and just certain patterns. Right. And they determine that like, yeah, that's definitely him. Like that is his same handwriting, same type of like, oh, I did not know that same type of like curvature. And I don't know what the right freaking word for that is, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So after six weeks of testimony of going back and forth, the jury obviously found him guilty. Now, they did not believe. One thing they did not believe is that he acted alone. So they were just like, hey, you're going to get the death penalty. Like, you're going to die for killing Charles Lindbergh, the guy that crossed the freaking Atlantic for 33 and a half hours you know, baby, but Captain America's baby, Captain America's fucking baby. Yes. But we'll spare your life with life in prison. If you tell us who was working with you and this man never wavered. He was just like, I am innocent. I remain innocent. I didn't kill this baby. I don't know what you're talking about. He never wavered his innocence. I I honestly, I kind of believe
0: it. You think I mean, so? He doesn't seem. I don't. Maybe he just doesn't seem like the smart enough. I think Bruno was set up.
1: But for I him, had, for him to just remain he innocent, a part in it. for him to just remain innocent and just not, waver. and it could have been like this. Case has been going on for two and
0: a half years. They're just going to find stuff. Oh, too.
1: and they they did say that. They did say that. If you go in to check police reports, if you go in to check. Even check documentary like documentaries that cover the the baby's disappearance. They do say that the fact that he was such a big celebrity back then, that he was such a big deal, Charles Lindbergh, they wanted to close this case quick. Oh. They wanted definitely. to get it solved just because of the fact that this man was a celebrity. Like they knew. They were they were fine in a pass. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. This man never wavered. Always remained innocent. You know, never said he had any accomplices. Even though he was offered a plea deal. Right at the end, before he was about to get get the electric chair. He was offered a plea deal saying, if you tell us, you did it. And who your accomplices are. We won't kill you. He was like, nope, I didn't do it. No one was involved. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about still. Man. He died by electric chair. He died by electric chair on April 3rd, 1936. I think like 4 or 5 years after the disappearance. So I mean, we all know that people take a long time, not well, maybe a long time. But they do take a quite a bit of time for them to actually get their death sentence to be a lot longer now. A lot longer now. Exactly. So for him to be killed in 4 to 5 6 years, that's like I think that's pretty quick. Yeah. And I think it is because of the fact that it was Charles Lindbergh. You know what I mean? Like, he was a pretty famous person.
0: Definitely. Oh, definitely.
1: Right. And afterwards, because of, you know, what happened, um, there was a law that was actually put in place called the Lindbergh Law under the Federal Kidnapping Act. In 1932, they um, they changed the fact that Federal authorities basically now have the right to pursue kidnappers across all state lines. It's not just state police. It's not just city police. Federal authorities now basically have the right to get involved in all these cases so they can just kind of look at it as more broad, you know, in comparison to just strictly state investigators. Um, but, yeah, yes. that's kind of basically, like, the good that kind of came out, if anything, yeah. you know. But, uh but girl, yeah.
0: And I was too drunk to remember that from earlier. So thank same,
1: you. Same. Same. I'm thank <laughs> thank God I have notes. Because holy <laughs> fuck <laughs> have we been getting tipsy from this first take and I now like, it's just like wait, there is a lot time
0: happened. I don't remember that.
1: At that, all. honey, is the story of Charles Lindbergh's Junior's disappearance. I am not. The shock factor is gone. What did we say? We said this is a uh, down a dark hall And uh, it's getting pretty dark. That's whole It's dark. It's dark. So get prepared. If you ain't ready, we'll get ready. Buckle Buckle up, Buttercup. Buckle up. It's about to get real creepy. No, Sarah's... As per
0: usual. See, I
1: have logic explained throughout my <laughs> story. But Sarah I'm over here... Like, Sarah leaves so many holes that I'm just like, okay, well, what could it be? I don't know, fucking aliens? Uh, who knows? I'm bringing in the WTF.
0: <laughs> I'm the WTF factor in this podcast. I love our dynamic. Y'all
1: I just love it. Our are
0: welcome. Oh, God. I'm the... Oh, so we're not saying crazy anymore. It's magical. Oh yes, I'm the magical.
1: Well bitch. Sarah looks up this uh, this info. So basically, in our in our group, um, we basically like every time we say something, we're just like we're crazy. But we started changing crazy to we're magical in order to kind of like, I don't know,
0: because it has saying crazy. It's got such a negative connotation, connotation to yes. it. So. When you sit there and you say all these negative things about yourself, it has an impact on
1: your subconscious. It does. Subconscious. Big time. Even if you don't think you actually are crazy, you're just saying it. No, it does. After you say things for a while, it will impact you. It will impact you.
0: So now we're magical
1: AF. We're magical as (laughs) fuck. We are. All
0: right, guys. So... Missing 411. I tried to say that I'm not obsessed. Natalie disagrees. She's She's like, nah, girl. She's
1: fucking lying.
0: I've loved the Missing 411 case studies for years. Um, It's uh, written by David Polites. He's a retired police detective who started investigating all these kind of weird disappearances and deaths. Deaths really, from people. And it started out in the national park system. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's a national park. People die in parks all the time because it's the wilderness. But, you know, he puts a lot of criteria into what falls into his, um, quote, strange and unusual circumstances.
1: <clears throat> so, Which, let me tell y'all, they get... Fucking strange. They get fucking strange. It is strange.
0: So I've got his, I've got two of his books. The first two, Missing 411, he broke them down into the western part of the United States and the eastern part. So the book that I took our cases from tonight are from the eastern part of the United States. And I'm going to read out some of the factors that come into play in most of his case studies. And I'm reading out the ones that apply to tonight's cases. So a few factors um, that we're looking at tonight are rural settings. And these are quotes, direct quotes from his book. All of the missing people outlined in this project disappeared from a rural setting, not a city or downtown location. There are usually no witnesses. There was significant cover and difficult terrain. Bloodhounds, canines cannot track ascent. A very unusual trend I found in many of these cases was that expert tracking dogs were brought to the scene of the disappearance and were not successful at doing their job. Dogs were usually were given a scent by a person's shoe or worn shirt and they were brought to the location where the person was last seen and either refused to track or could not pick up a scent. This behavior has occurred too many times to ignore and it is not understood why this often occurs. Afternoon Disappearances from the information gleaned from the project, the optimum time for disappearance to occur is two PM to five PM in the afternoon.
1: Which is so strange to me. It is. It's like broad it fucking daylight. I'm sorry. Broad
0: daylight and people are disappearing. disappearing.
1: You'd think it was like three to five AM. No. Two to five PM. Like, yeah, what the
0: fuck? you think of weird shit like this happening at night.
1: Exactly. But no. When everyone's asleep in the middle of the day. The When the sun
0: is at its highest highest point in the sky.
1: What? What are you doing?
0: Yes. Clothing removed. In numerous cases cited, the missing person is found at least, and at least one significant piece of clothing has disappeared. Sometimes people are found inexplicably naked. While searchers are scouring every inch of quadrant from the point the person is last seen until they are found, pieces of clothing are never found. I know that some search manuals indicate children do remove their clothing. The facts surrounding these cases do not seem to support that assertion. However, it as it is was extremely detrimental to their survival. Sorry, I could kind of botch that last sentence. But the point is people are found when if they are found missing articles of clothing. Where did those clothes go? Because the search and rescue teams aren't finding them. Or they fly in the clothing and not the person. It's like
1: one or the other. Oh my god, I just put two and two together. What? Well, well, what you just said, like when someone just like poofs does their body just poof and their clothes just stay there? Well, it's usually shoes. Are the most common thing that are found,
0: that are found, or that are missing. Mm. You find a body and there's no shoes on the feet, or you find shoes and no body, right? And how are you gonna? And it's and it's usually in rugged terrain. Why are you gonna take your shoes off while you're hiking through the mountains if you're lost? Exactly, makes zero sense, Mm -mm. right? So tonight's first case, and these are pretty short, so I wrote three short cases so tonight's first case is the disappearance of trini lynn gibson trini disappears october the 8th 1976 she's 16 years old when she disappears she's traveling with her high school Bearden high school in knoxville tennessee with 40 other children on a hike on the appalachian trail the hike begins at Andrews Balls and ends at Klingman Stove on the North Carolina side of the park. And Trini is kind of being a social butterfly. She's going from group to group throughout the hike. Right. So she's not in one place at the same she's time. Socializing. She's, kind of, she's socializing. She's yeah. socializing. She's making her way down the line. She's being a teenage girl. I love it. When they are... About half a mile to three quarters of a mile from their destination there from the the parking lot of Klingman's Dome, Trini disappears. Surrounded by people. She disappears. So Trini is with a group. She's migrated to another group. The group decides to take a break. They sit down. Trini keeps going and there were several witness statements from the book but I took three away I'm going to read these so the first witness statements um, the witness was about 200 feet away from Trini when she saw her quote bend over the trail like she was looking at something near a flat rock and then disappeared to the right of the trail end quote the next witness statement kind of says the same thing. They see Trini bending over, looking at something, and then she steps off to the right side of the trail. The witness goes on to say, quote, I checked the spot where she was last seen. I don't believe that she could have gone off the trail at this spot. It's too rough. Rocks, bushes, and trees. End quote. Mm-hmm. I found this one interesting. It says she stopped to rest. So she's with the group that stops and rests. And Trini continues on, and she says, quote, She was on the trail when I last saw her. I looked away, and then when I looked back, Trini was nowhere in sight. I should have been able to see her if she went up the trail. End quote. So again, we have a witness um, saying Trini kind of goes off the trail, and she says she actually goes to the spot where she saw Trini last and says the same thing. It's a rough part of the trail, and there's a stream, a lot of bushes. She actually yells for Trini, but doesn't get a response. So search begins, but the weather, and this is another common thing with a lot of these missing 411 cases, is the weather gets crazy, and search efforts have to be postponed. So the weather rolls in that night and it's really bad. Strong winds, heavy rain, temperatures dropping into the low 30s and they can't start the official search until the next day.
1: How crazy how every time there has to be a search right after someone goes missing, fucking bad weather rolls out. Like every yeah. time. Like I'm, I'm sure it's not every time. But well, it's, it's, it's a common occurrence occurrence. in a lot
0: of these cases Mm -hmm. that David um, writes, writes in his case studies, Yeah, bad weather and prohibits. And sometimes it goes on for days and days and days and days.
1: And if I were a fucking parent, if I were, you know, like I, I wanted to find out where my child was, I would not give a shit about a fucking storm. Or rain or snow or hail or whatever the fuck. Oh, I would
0: definitely be out there. The
1: cold, the warm, and I don't want to care.
0: But I guess you can't expect other like park services and volunteers and things like that to get out there. But I would be out there, Mm -hmm. me personally. same. (sighs) Yeah. So, um, weather's really bad. They can't get out and do anything until the next day. So, the search officially goes from the day she goes missing, October the 8th, and lasts until October 22nd. During that time, they've got trackers out there, bloodhounds, German shepherds, you know, canines, rescue squads, helicopters, airplanes, and army helicopters. Mm-hmm. All looking for Trini. don't find anything they can't find her they never find any evidence of her there's no signs of animal preparation so there's no blood there's no evidence of a struggle and you know she's with a group of people so if something happened they should have heard Her cry out. Her scream. Heard signs of a struggle. Something, some
1: rustling, something. Exactly.
0: And at first when I started reading this, I was like, okay, she's close to the parking lot. So some creepy predator could have easily snatched her. Yeah. But how is he going to get away in that rough terrain being surrounded by high school teenagers with no one seeing
1: anything? It's just impossible, dude. Like, someone for just some... It's a quick second for someone to just look back and be like, oh, where'd she go? Where'd they go? Like, they couldn't have seen her being drug off or her walking into a side of the woods or something. Like, it's crazy.
0: And if you manage to subdue someone and they're unconscious, for instance, they're dead weight. You're not going to be able to stealthily move through rough terrain unnoticed and without leaving any kind of trail or scent trail and that was another thing so the dogs were not able to pick up a scent for her except for at the starting point
1: that's where they
0: started out and they followed it to like a creek but they weren't able to pick up anything at the spot that she goes
1: missing after that creek it's like boom dead nothing yes and so david pilates
0: also mentions that um Children are often found in and around creeks in a lot of his case studies. Mm. And he thought it was interesting that she disappears near a A creek creek. bed. Yes. And, like, I think the creepiest thing to me is multiple witnesses recall her bending over to look at something.
1: And that's, that's what you mentioned that creeped me out. Like, something caught her attention
0: and drew her away from the trail and her peers what was it it's so heartbreaking because this poor girl and her poor family there's no answers You know, there's no. She's never been found to this day.
1: And she, and this is what I told Sarah. She's not eight. She's not going to go wander off to go see what this noise. This is a sixteen-year-old girl. She knows better. She knows not to go out with someone or to go towards someone that's you know it seems a little creepy. Like she knows not to go off with like strangers. So for her to bend and friends and family exactly. Yeah, for her to bend over and to go wait, what is that and go. Into that direction, that's just fucking and creepy. just never be
0: and seen poof, again.
1: Poof, never seen again. Her scent ends at a creek, and that's it. Ah, uh, so creepy. that's creepy. That's creepy. So creepy. That's creepy. And her
0: and her friends and family were like, she was not going to be the type to run no. away. They completely ruled out um that factor yeah like they didn't think that that was a factor like they in deemed the case.
1: her a normal 16 year old girl you know she right. was raised right she wasn't going 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 to go run off to some stranger like no she wasn't that type of chick so exactly that's, that's crazy that's crazy but it gets crazier y'all it gets freaking crazier. it gets crazier mm-hmm.
0: like i said
1: buckle up
0: <laughs> so my next case michael real and I feel like we end on a high note.
1: Do we? As yeah, we do. We, do, we do, we do, we do. We do.
0: So Michael Real is our next case. Michael goes missing on july second, nineteen eighty-three. He's eight years old and he's camping in Roan Mountain State Park in Tennessee with his mother and his sister. So he tells his mother he's going to go get water for their camp. Gets his little bucket and he heads off towards the water, which I'm not sure where the water was. But anyway. Uh-huh. And we're gonna get into another case. This the case that follows his is gonna be really creepy because it's gonna happen really closely. Oh, I can't even. It. I can't I don't even spoil anything. <laughs> so Michael goes off to get the water and doesn't come back. Of course he doesn't come back. So his mother freaks out, calls the authorities, and the search begins. Police are really frustrated, rangers are really frustrated because there's no evidence of Michael or where he's gone. He's just gone. He's just gone. Exactly. Right. And the mother and father both from the get-go, they're like, Our son has been abducted. And the police don't really believe that theory. But July 5th, Daily Herald posted an article, and it's a Kane district ranger states, quote, I've been on a lot of searches. S- things seem a little fishy, end quote.
1: So this is so someone that he, has done a ton of investigations, a ton of searches for missing kids, and he knows right off the bat this is not the normal case. Something's not right. Something's not right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So they're not having any luck, so they pull out the big guns. 30 peer troopers from Fort Bragg, come over to aid in the search with helicopters and they, quote, scoured the park in a very defined way, but still could not locate
1: the boy. (laughs) Which Say it, Natalie. (laughs) 30 paratroopers nowadays could not find jack shit. (laughs) Like, we're just normal (laughs) human beings, you guys. Don't think we're extra special. Like, it's nothing to be freaking bragging about. Like, yes, jumping out of an airplane is cool and all, but I promise you it's nothing to be, like... Holy shit! Now, this was back in what what year, Sarah? The 80s. The 80s. So you know what? So
0: anything was possible so in the 80s. Anything was
1: possible, right? So maybe I am good giving them less credit than they actually deserve. Because back in the 1980s, maybe they were more about their shit than you know. Keep keep going, keep going, girl, keep going.
0: <laughs> so then. In Natalie's defense, they weren't having any luck. <laughs> uh, so in come 140 Green Berets, and they search in two-man teams. They've got bloodhounds out there. They've got canines out there on the daily. Nothing. No sign of Michael anywhere. Until one week to the day and one hour. Well. And one hour from his disappearance, Michael is found in blackberry bushes, two and a half miles away from where he originally disappeared. Mm -mm. Two and a half miles. And this is an area that has been searched multiple times. By multiple people. Another trend. By multiple Mm -hmm. people professionals, military, canines. Nothing Nothing. And that's another trend that you see With these missing 411 cases Is they're Usually found If they're found In places that have been searched Extensively So immediately The person who finds Michael Is like where have you been And he tells them that he has spent The better part of the week in an abandoned cabin That somebody Somehow no one has seen and it's got to be within this, this is just my hypothesis, but you'd think that this cabin, if the kid is found two and a half miles away from the county site, picking blackberries, this cabin has got to be within the five mile radius.
1: How old is this kid again? In five
0: miles. He's
1: He was eight. eight. No kid eight. can wander off more than five miles. Like, no.
0: Oh, well. Unless it's a missing 411 case. And then these kids cross mountain ranges. Which is insane. We're going to dedicate another episode to this. Yeah. Missing 411. Because these kids have been found miles and miles away, literally across mountain ranges. But for these three year olds,
1: these people to be investigating so extensively, to have all these military personnel, these state police personnel these federal personnel to be looking actively they're
0: not finding a damn thing for
1: this kid to be 2.5 miles away from where he was lost
0: i just don't think that's possible i don't think
1: that's possible either if it was that it gets better if it was though that would be hella freaking embarrassing that would be so embarrassing (laughs) I bet it was. But
0: I don't think that's the case at no, all. I don't think, I don't it think was. that's I don't think that's how it played out. Because you all. and I know
1: there are no so, coincidences. There are, just there are no coincidences. coincidences.
0: So, when Michael is found, his clothes are dirty and torn and he has some scratches around the ankle, but other than that, he pre- appears pretty well kept. He's pretty clean. His hair appears to be groomed and he's been roughing it in the wilderness. I can't even go camping for three days with a shower house. And I look like a freaking wildebeest. Dude,
1: with my luck, I'd pick the wrong fucking blackberry bush and (laughs) die from poisoning. They'd be like, if they found me after seven days in the mountains, they'd be like, Bigfoot. That's a fucking... (laughs) Honestly. Honestly. (laughs) Honestly. Let's be real here. Let's be real. Let's be honest. There are no freaking nail salons in the woods. Like, I'd be hella freaking rough. Hella rough. I would be... I would be... Yeah,
0: I'd be done. done. Um, so he's pretty well-groomed. He appears to be in pretty good health. Um, he was alert and oriented when he was an examined at the hospital. And doctors were, quote, amazed at his condition, given the number of days that he was missing. And I think I left this out earlier, but it started raining after he went missing, which kind of pushed search efforts back. So he's been missing for a week. In bad weather. Uh, now, and it wasn't raining the whole time. I think it just rained the first day, but still. Um, so Michael said that during his time that he was missing, he was watching TV with his grandfather. And even had bacon and eggs with him that Saturday morning. Here's the catch. Both Michael's grandfathers are deceased and he has never met them. So, tell me how he met his grandfather in an abandoned cabin in the woods that no one else could find and chilled with him for a week.
1: Bacon and eggs, honey. Bacon and eggs. He said, Fuck Denny's, fuck IHOP. I'm going to have some homemade bacon and eggs with and Grandpa and Grandma eggs. that don't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't even get bacon and That's eggs. That's what at I'm home. saying. I kid had a vacation. I- he had a straight up Man, vacation. Unless I
0: go to the Waffle House. That's what
1: I'm saying.
0: Um, so, and it gets even crazier. So on 7, July 11th, the Tuscaloosa News ran a story that said, quote, The boy said during his time that he had also seen his mother Thursday afternoon and called out to her so that he wouldn't get lost again. He also reported seeing an old man getting drunk on Budweiser and a gallon of bourbon, but didn't ask for his help because he didn't talk to strangers.
1: Now, did they ever find out who that drunk man was?
0: No, but that sounds pretty likely.
1: I You're wonder. In
0: Tennessee, and there's an old guy drinking Budweiser and bourbon. That sounds. Honestly, that sounds normal. That's the most real. That. That's the most believable part of this entire story. Um, so true. But so that brings me to the question of if he is close enough to see his mother,
1: A, why doesn't he go running back to that's her? That's the thing. That's what, that's what I told you. Like, if he was so comfortable to be missing for five fucking days, his clothes are dirty. But he's well kept, he's groomed, He's he looks like he's showered, he's clean. He was missing for seven, seven days. Seven days, a whole week, right? A whole ass week. But, but about five when he sees his mom. Right. And for him to just be like, oh yeah, I'm fine with grandpa and grandma that I've never fucking met before. I'm chill. I'll just leave mom alone. I'll wait. Like, you feel that fucking comfortable? Right. Like, for real? Hey, mom. Like, you're not processing? Exactly.
0: You're obviously not in a state of duress. No second thing why couldn't the mother hear him why if he could see her and he hollered out to her obviously she should be within hearing distance
1: honestly though sarah like you would think i would honestly think if i were a mother that had her eight-year-old son missing i would start fucking hallucinating and hearing shit Like, I would think the slightest noise would be my son calling out my name. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would be that delusional to think, like, everything is a fucking sign. I need to find my fucking son. Like, and for her not to think, like, not to hear anything, see anything, not to notice anything out of the norm. Like, this kid's completely gone. Poof. And for her son to recall her calling out his name. That's creepy. That's fucking creepy. And...
0: If he's that close to her, he's obviously in visual distance. Why didn't he run to her? How is no one else
1: seeing him? How is no one else seeing him? All these people
0: are scouring the woods looking for this more kid. More than 100. How can they More not than 200 see him?
1: at this point. Exactly.
0: Probably about 300 well, people in yeah, the documented yeah. so far. And how are the canines not picking up on his scent if he's in such close proximity? It's It's crazy. That was Michael's wild ride. So, you know, the good part about that is he is reunited with his mother. And I feel like, you know, I think he's pretty lucky. Because honestly, I don't think he was meant to be reunited with his mother. Mm -mm. Our next case takes place seven days after Michael is found in the same park. So the moral of this story is,
1: don't go to Roan State Park. Where is Roan State Park? What stage is that? It? It's
0: in Tennessee. It's probably fucking gorgeous. I'm so not going to Tennessee. Probably gorgeous. And my dumb white ass is probably like, hmm. Let's go to I Tennessee. go camping out there just
1: to <laughs> see what happens.
0: You know? If I go missing, now you know. That's the Sarah it part
1: was, of the dynamic here that we're talking about. It was
0: about. natural selection. Just put that on my tombstone. Literally. Um, so... Our next disappearance, seven days after Michael is found, Larry Davenport goes missing in the same state park. Really similar situation. Larry is camping with his friends. It's the evening time. They're hanging out at the picnic table. They've probably just had dinner, a few drinks, whatever. All of a sudden, Larry gets up and walks into the woods.
1: With no fucking reason. With no fucking reason. No
0: reason. And his friends don't really think anything about it they think Larry has to pee let him go handle his Mm -hmm. business but when he doesn't come back obviously something's wrong so they call the authorities search and rescue bloodhounds all of the usual just like Michael nothing is found three days later people call in to report a man who seems to be incoherent naked walking around in the woods near an abandoned house Sergeant rescue goes out there and it's Larry he is pretty out of it he's pretty scratched up like I said he's completely naked he's pretty confused doesn't know what happened to his clothing but the curtain he found in an old cabin
1: of course it was an old fucking cabin Of course. In the middle of the woods.
0: And he was eight miles away. So he's found eight miles away from his original campsite. So what the fuck is going on in Roan State Park, Tennessee?
1: What do you think it is? (sighs) Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Aliens! Aliens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think I said this in the earlier recording. There was a similar 401 story about a boy who went missing in the woods, and I'm not going to go into the details because that's that's another day. But um, he was taken into a cave by a woman who he thought was his grandmother, and she had the sparks coming out of her head. And so it's known as the boy with the robot grandma. And she pulled out a sticky film and put it on the ground and wanted him to use the bathroom on the film. And he refused and she kind of got upset with him. And he kind of realized at that point that that wasn't his grandma and runs away. But then we've got another young child being, you know, kind of coerced to stay with someone who they feel safe with because it's a grandparent. I just,
1: it's just too weird. Like, at that point, what, what are you left with to determine that actually happened? You know what I mean? Because you and I talked about this. Like, how could you lose that much of information from your recollection? Like, your memory just disappeared. Like, that just seems so insane to me. Right. Right. And, you know, I
0: can, I can see that with a kid if they're under a state of duress, but Larry, and I failed to mention right. this earlier, was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So Larry is an adult. And what compelled him to get up, walk into the woods in the middle of the night? I mean, that's just like an instinctual. No.
1: Fuck like no. And just like, who just gets <laughs> up and just doesn't say anything to anybody? And just walks into the woods. Like, you would at least be like, hey, man, I'm going to go pee. Right. Hey, man. Or, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. Well, no, nothing. To his family. And maybe that's a dude thing.
0: Maybe. Maybe. men are like that, where they're just like, you know, women are like, I got to go pee if I'm not back in like
1: two minutes. Even then, though, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it just seems so weird how he would just stand up and walk into the fucking woods. Right. That's some horror fucking movie and shit. Then, and and then, if that doesn't fucking weird, if you don't find that weird, it's a week after that kid goes missing. In the cabin. In yeah, the, cabin. the cabin. The same fucking cabin Ooh, that that eight year old says he sees. Creeps me out. What is this fucking cabin? A spaceship? Like, what is it? Like, let's be honest. Like, what is it? I
0: think that they're in another veil of some sort because i mean the kid could see his mother but he could not interact with her she could not hear him i, I just at and that's what i love about these missing 401 cases you will just rack mm-hmm. your brain on all the possibilities yeah. and i appreciate that i know i said that earlier about dave polite he doesn't speculate he just presents the mm-hmm. case studies he presents the facts and that's it because, you know, he sees it as an insult to the family members who are missing these people to speculate. Especially, like me, I'm like, aliens did it, you know, it's a dog man. Right, you know, right, All this crazy shit. You know, that's not fair in reality to these family members. Especially when he's, like, writing all these books and bringing national attention to all these cases. Because I think some of them are aliens. I think some of it's government shit. I think some of it's freaking dog shit. I mean, I just all
1: of the crazy. It's just a hodgepodge of shit. It's endless. It's, it's so endless. creepy. It's freaking endless. It's creepy. It's insane. It's too coincidental. It's too coincidental. Like, it makes you have no other option but to speculate all these other theories and conspiracies as to what it might be. Like, you know, what other logical explanation could there be? There is no like, logical no explanation. explanation.
0: And that's what I And love I t-
1: about I told it. you. I told you earlier like how is there no recollection of what cabin there is? Like do they not have grid maps? Honestly, like what what else is there? Like for them to just be a week apart and to say the same exact fucking oh, thing. Oh, it's so creepy. That's fucking creepy. It that's gives creepy. me chills. That's fucking creepy honestly and that's my game i love these i freaking love these
0: all you creepy pasta lovers there you are well it's not technically creepy pasta but
1: i loved it i loved it it was awesome me too oh my god well thank you guys for joining us on this dark dark topic that you know we decided to cover for today's episode i feel like we handled it well despite i think we did despite
0: that it has to do with missing babies did you hear about that guy in texas it was years ago he caught somebody trying to rape his like six or seven year old daughter and he shot and killed him didn't he kill him yeah he killed yeah. him mm-hmm. and the jury found I'm him not really guilty so. i was
1: like yes amen
0: that's yes. texas for you
1: thank you texas oh my goodness all right all right guys well that wraps up episode three bam boom another one bites of dust just kidding